Welcome to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. How's everyone doing? It's so good to see you guys. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well. It's so good to have you right now. Um, I'm excited for this morning, um, partially because don't know exactly what the Lord's going to do today, and but I think it's going to be great. Um, I've, I've been, some, some weeks I have like just more material than I could possibly ever cover, and this was one of those weeks where I was like, I don't know, either everyone's going to hate me because I'm going to preach for an hour, or I'll chuck things along the way and we'll just see where we end up, and it's it, and so take, take comfort, I won't preach for an hour, okay, but uh, we're going to see kind of what the Lord does here this morning, but I think it's going to be really sweet, um, I know it's going to be really sweet. Before I hop in, though, uh, I can I ask you to do one favor for me? It's kind of a simple, it's a, it's a one-minute favor. So you're like, I'm not saying yes till you tell me what it is. <laughs> Here it is. Would you write a review for us on Amazon uh, for the God Experiment? You're about halfway through this thing at this point. And so I'm, I'm, I'd really just love, uh, if, if, the, if this book has made an impact in your life, put it online. Okay? Let, let people know. Right? Take 30 seconds to do it. It will, uh, we just know how really the algorithms work out there. If we want more people to be able to take advantage of it, the best thing that we can do is get reviews over that. And so I would ask that you would do that for this book. If you do it for my other book as well, for my kid's book, that would just uh, be a riot for me as well. Uh, but that would just be sweet. So I, I'm just making that request here. All right. Is that cool? Can you all do that at some point this week? All right. Three of you will. I appreciate that. It's going to be great. It's really going to be great. Um, today. gonna be good. I heard a stat yesterday. Last week we talked about the importance of getting things right here and here first because what happens in here always works its way out, out here, right? The inner image always precedes and predicts your outward behavior, so your thinking always predicts that. And so what, how we think here matters. So really over the next even seven weeks of the God experiment, everything is around, the, it's, it's around the right thoughts around who God says you are. And I heard this stat yesterday, which I just thought was fascinating. It's this, that this isn't necessarily the church. This is just national or this is just kind of global statistics of thinking, okay? And it's this. Are you ready for just a mind-blowing and very depressing statistic? 80% of humans' thoughts are negative. 80%. That means out of a 10-hour day, eight hours you're thinking negatively. Of those eight hours of thinking, of the 80% of negative thinking, 60% are habitual think, thoughts. It's a record on repeat going over and over and over again in your head. Isn't that just kind of mind-blowing? <laughs> no wonder why people are kind of angry with one another <laughs> and things are a little anxious in this world. Well, because the majority of people, 80% of their thoughts are negative, and then 60% of that is just on repeat. It's the reason why it's so important. Last week we talked about your thinking precedes and predicts your behavior, and you got to get things right in here if you want things play out right out here. And so even today, if we want to start putting the right thoughts within your within your mind, and start rehearsing. Put this on repeat all week, okay? What we're going to talk about today, put it on repeat because it will just change the way you view life. 
And today what we're talking about is a concept that's actually pretty distant from us. My wife already alluded to it and talked about it. It's hard for us to wrap our head around it. Um, but this week we're actually going to break this thing down into kind of each day we'll be talking about uh, different aspects of the attribute. And that attribute that we're talking about this week is royalty. Here's where we find this in scripture, okay? So let me, let me say this before I even read this. If you're sitting there going, man, royalty, what? This is true of you if you're a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, you might say, well, then why am I paying attention? Why would I listen? Well, here's why. Because I want to paint a picture for you of what I believe the Lord's longing for your life is. His heart. He, scripture says, says this, is that his heart is that none would perish, no, not one. No, not one. No, not one. No, not one. You're in that. If any of you think God, Jesus is a bunch of hogwash, guess what? You're in the no, not one. And he longs for a relationship with you, and this is his dream over you, is that you'd step into this reality of royalty. And so this is where uh, we get this concept. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal, say it with me, priesthood, I don't know why I did royal and I did priesthood since I really want to emphasize royal, a royal priesthood. But since I've got them both underlined, let's talk about it, okay? You're a royal priesthood, let me read it, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, this is, this is such a loaded verse, but you're a royal priesthood. Right there, those two words of royal priesthood really are mind-blowing. Maybe you grew up uh, in a different kind of religious system, maybe you're Catholic, maybe you're Lutheran, maybe you, I, I love it when people call me priest, that just kind of cracks me up because I don't consider myself to be a, a priest, although I am a priest, you want to know why I am a priest, is because, oh, go, just leave this verse up here, okay? Uh, I'm a priest because it's, it says I am, and guess who else is a priest? You are. You are. At the, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies tore in two. The Holy of Holies was this place that really was the presence of God, and the only person who could go in there was the priest. That was it. It was the high priest was the only one who could go in there. When Jesus died on the cross, it says that the curtain, which was over a foot thick, tore from top to bottom. It was this beautiful picture of how the separation between the presence of God and humanity was being torn down and no longer was a single individual the representation of the people to the presence of God, but now every single one of us can approach the throne of grace with confidence according to the book of Hebrews. And he says he is our high priest, but we now are, each and every one of us, priests. You want to know who the priests are? We are. And then he says, not only that, are we the priests that we can approach the throne of grace. He calls us royal priests. Why royal? Because we now, we worship the king of kings, the lord of lords, and we represent the king's kingdom. And we're a part of that kingdom. And so this week we're going to be looking at the rules of royalty and our status as royalty. Now, when you think about royalty, maybe you think of, uh, of a term like prince or princess. Maybe some of you ladies 
are still being called princess by someone. I don't know. Those are those terms that maybe we speak of our children when they're young. Ah, he's our little prince. She's our little princess. That's probably the extent for most of us in terms of of calling people prince or or princess. And eventually we just kind of grow up and we don't think that way. And yet each and every one of us who are followers of Christ, you are prince princes of the king of kings. You are princesses of the king of kings. You are royalty. And so there's this royal status that's applied to us that if you understand it, it has profound implications. And so this week, we're going to just talk that through. Uh, Any of you remember the story of uh, the prince and the pauper? Some of you? Uh, Maybe you remember the Mickey version of it, okay? (laughs) The little Disney version. Anyhow, basically, it's these two individuals, maybe they're twins and they're split at birth. One grows up in the, in the kingdom. The other one grows up as a pauper, kind of living in the kingdom, but not, uh, not as a prince. And so one day they're walking through the kingdom. They run into one another and they decide to switch places, right? And so the pauper goes and lives in the, in the palace and, and the prince goes and lives a pauper's life. And what's interesting is when he goes, the pauper, when he's, or the prince who's out there now in the kingdom walking around looking like a pauper, uh, when he sees a problem, he decides, I've got to solve the problem. Why? Because he's lived his whole life like a prince. He, it's, it's natural to want to bring kingdom solutions to, to problems within the kingdom. And, and then vice versa, the other one who's now in the, the palace but is a, a, a pauper his whole life has no clue how to rule there. And so it's this kind of funny interaction of them kind of going back and forth trying to figure out each other's roles. And I think there's this week we're actually going to kind of look at this idea, the difference between a prince versus pauper mindset, because I think there's a lot of us who live in the kingdom but live like paupers. You live there, but you don't know the kingdom that you belong to. I would say that was the majority of my life growing up, is that I carried a pauper mindset. A, a pauper mindset, was understanding it was like, it's, it's his kingdom but not mine. It's over there, it's distant, but I don't understand how to interact with it. I don't understand that I belong to it. I don't understand how it actually transforms my life. And my argument is that we're meant to think and act like royalty, think and act on behalf of the kingdom that we belong to, not a kingdom that we're going to belong to someday. Like, oh, someday I'm going to die, I'll go and I'll enter his kingdom. No, not, not the kingdom that you're going to belong to someday, the kingdom, kingdom that you belong to today. Are you with me? And so today I want us to just understand that this is a kingdom. You belong to it, not someday, but today. I'm going to read a handful. I got a lot of scripture I want to cover. Are you ready? Buckle up. Put on your thinking cap. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. These are verses I've read to you before, but um, I'm going to just walk these through, okay? Pretty quick. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, this is the... uh, The Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. These are followers of Christ, and he's wanting them to to step into the reality that they have and that they are as Christ followers, okay? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Okay, so this is where this entire concept of his kingdom and his inheritance that we have access to is right here. I want you to understand his glorious inheritance that you actually have access to now in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Continue on. 
That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, being Christ, to be head over everything for the church. Okay, so a lot in there, but basically I, I want to just highlight a couple things really quick. The hope to which we've been called. We have hope in front of us, no matter what you're going through in life, because of this. There's an inheritance. It's, it's the inheritance. It's the power and the authority that we have access to. That he, he just described there. We have access to those things. But the primary thing that I really want to point out is where Christ is and what he has in that passage. Where is he? He's at the right hand in the heavenly in the heavenly realms right hand of the of the father in the heavenly realms and what does he have or what is what's where is he positioned over all things so he's in the right at the right hand of the father over all things okay are you with me okay great where's christ seated at the right hand of the father over all things now check this out next chapter ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 as for you and he's talking literally about this Yes, applies to Christ followers, but also applies to everyone in humanity. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, so he's talking to Christ followers, you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Next, next slide. All of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, so now he's describing the spiritual state that everyone is born into. You're born far from God, broken relationship with God because of sin that is, that is literally within our it's within our spiritual nature that we are sinners and we're far from God. We are by nature deserving of wrath. And he describes us in those previous verses as that we followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's Satan. And all of his demonic forces. That we were the spirit who's at work in the disobedient. That's where all of us were. Okay, that's kind of what you're born into. However, next verse, verse 4. But, there's a great but here. But. Because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. So God saw our spiritual condition and he made a way for us to experience salvation out of this place of brokenness and sin and the trap that we were in. And that by grace we can be saved. A few verses later he's going to say this. He'll repeat the sentence and he'll say, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. boast. That's three verses later. But let's just continue on, okay? Because this is what I want to get to. So we were far from God. He made a way for us to experience salvation. And then, notice what God did. And God raised us up, past tense, with Christ, and seated us, past tense, with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Jazz hands. God raised us up with Christ. What does that mean? It means that literally in the same way that his death was our death, it was the death that we deserved and it was in our place, his resurrection becomes our resurrection and his inheritance becomes our inheritance and his position becomes our position. 
mind-blowing. Your brains are not yet melting out of your ears, but they, they, they could be and they should be soon, okay? He raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Remember the previous verses that we just looked at in Ephesians where, where he's like, listen, this is where Christ is seated at the right hand of, in the heavenly realms far above all dominion, power, and authority and over every name that's invoked now and in the, in, in the time, in the age to come. Then that's where Christ is seated. And then he goes, and guess who else is there with him? You are. That's crazy. Why? Why in the world would Christ positionally seat us there now? It's not just a someday reality, it's a two-day reality for us. Here's why. So that in order that in the coming ages, when are the coming ages? Now. So that in generations to come, in the future, the church would be able to demonstrate something to the watching world. What is it that we're meant to demonstrate to the watching world when we understand our position in Christ, our being seated with him in the heavenly realms? Here's what we're supposed to be able to display to the world, that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We're seated there so that God's the riches of his grace can be displayed in our lives for the world to see. I gotta do better. Somehow I gotta connect the dots here. All right. Because I'm really jived about this and I can see you're not yet. <laughs> you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm so that you can live as royalty now. You can access his kingdom. This, this, the word here that, you know, in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace. Riches is not just wealth. How many of you know you can be rich in love? You can be rich in peace. You can be rich in perseverance. We could translate, or we could uh, swap out the word riches with uh, the word abundance. So what we have access to is the abundance of his kingdom and the riches of his kingdom. So we could say this, the riches of his grace, while it's not necessarily wealth, it could look like this. It could be the abundance of patience in impossible situations. It's the abundance of love for an unlovely individual. It's the abundance of joy in a season of difficulty. It's the abundance of security when things seem insecure. It's an abundance of perseverance when everyone else has given up. It's an abundance of grace for other people who don't seem worthy of it. It's an abundance of mercy when all hope seems lost. And it's an abundance of wisdom when there's no easy option. All of that, that is the riches of his grace express, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That we would look at it and say, God, you are so kind to us that you would pour such of your kingdom realities, the abundance of your kingdom upon me. Does that make sense? The point of being seated with Christ is, yes, it's a future reality, but it's also a current reality. And it should impact everything in terms of our life. So how does a royal mindset impact us today? Let me just read a few other verses to you. Maybe these next verses, maybe we'll do better. Okay. I'm just trying today, folks. There's all this stuff. My mind is just, I, I, get, I get blown away by the realities of what we have in Christ. And, all right, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 17. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. Whew. 
But those who live, he died for all, but his, his salvation, what he did on the cross was effective for all. He paid for the, the sins of the world, but it doesn't mean that that gift that was extended was opened by all. How many of you know you can buy a gift, you can wrap a gift, you can give a gift, but it doesn't mean that it's received by the other individual. They can just sit there and stare at it and never experience all the goodness of what you put into that gift. He died for all. That's the gift that he offered. He wrapped it. He left it there for you. And when you open it, those who live, meaning those are the ones who have opened this gift of salvation, there's a reality that once you've opened that gift, you should no longer live for yourself. Whew. I no longer live for me, but for him who died for me and was raised again. Now listen to this. So from now on, are you ready for the new reality of what you're called into as royalty? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What? From now on, you, you, we'll come back to this. You regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, meaning the, the world still... The world has a worldly point of view of Christ. There might be people who say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was, he was loving. He was a prophet. But they may not call him their, their Lord and Savior. That's regarding Christ from a worldly point of view. But we do so no longer. Next slide. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. Okay, so you've got this entirely new life. Now let's go back to the previous slide. Okay, you got a whole life, and it's an entirely new one because the old is gone, the new is here, and in this new life, now we think differently because we belong to a different kingdom. How do we think? We no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Okay, let's make this pretty real for a moment. Think of it this way Do you have any enemies? Is there anyone that you hate? Is there anyone that you're against? How can we hate someone that God loves? How can we be against someone that God is for? See, when you view them as your enemy, you're viewing them from a worldly point of view. I understand it's a logical point of view. They hurt me. They wounded me. They were against me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's no longer the kingdom that you belong to, so you no longer view them from a worldly point of view. I, I get it. You're like, well, what about murderers out there and rapists out there and all these people, uh, the Russians out there? I, sorry, I shouldn't probably have done that. Um, but some of you might be like, I, I don't like what I'm seeing on the news and I feel like I'm against them. And here's the deal. Why are you against someone that God is not against? And, and you're like, hold on, but they've done all these things. Just because someone does something that is against God's will and against God's kingdom doesn't make them, his enemy. As I read scripture, it seems like Jesus, God, Father, uh, Holy Spirit only have one enemy and that is Satan and his demonic forces. That's it. And everyone else who might live their life against the kingdom of God is simply deceived, but God is still loving them and is still for them and he longs for redemption in them. So, to, to carry a royal mindset means I cannot look at anyone and ever be against them because God's not against them. 
It doesn't mean I agree with their behavior or their actions or what they're doing, but I have to look at them through the lens that Jesus looks at them, which is the lens of love. Do you see how royalty changes everything in my life? It changes every perspective. I cannot view anything in this world through a worldly perspective because it's not the kingdom I belong to any longer. We have to learn to start to think and steward and behave like royalty. We don't look at people or situations from a worldly view. We don't look at politics through a worldly view. We don't look at resources from a worldly view. We don't look at relationships or what's trending on social media through a worldly view. We look at it through this kingdom perspective and how Jesus, what Jesus modeled. So check this out. When I was just talking about people who appear to be against you and you're like, I could be against Jesus modeled this. Oh my word, folks. Are you aware? At the Last Supper, you want to know Jesus washed all of his disciples' feet. You want to know who was there? Judas. Moments before Judas betrays him, Jesus washes his feet. Do you think Jesus knows he's going to betray him? Of course he knows he's going to betray him. And yet in that moment, Jesus is actually for Judas. Not for what Judas is going to do, but he is for him. He still loves him in the, because his only enemy is the devil. It's not Judas who's just incredibly deceived. Isn't that mind-blowing? Jesus is the model, folks. So we don't regard anything from a worldly point of view. That's the royal mindset. All right, as royalty, we got to know what's ours. Oh, I, oh, just getting excited now. Okay, Galatians, let's go. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. You guys with me here? If you're not, I'm just going to have fun. Just come along with me for the ride. I'll dance a little. I'll do a jig. It'll be good. Okay, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Pause. There are times in scripture when gender matters, okay? This is one of those times where this uh, gender actually matters. That's sonship, not trying to leave you ladies out. This is actually ladies, this applies to you and you want it to apply to you, okay? You want to be considered sons in this moment, just like guys, we don't freak out when, G- when Jesus refers to us as the bride of Christ. There are these images that are very specific so that we would understand our relationship with him. In this moment, we all want sonship. Here's why. In Jesus' day, when the father died, who got the inheritance? The sons did. So in this moment, he's literally saying, you've been adopted, which by the way, in Jesus' day, most people never adopted anyone. They, they didn't. They might take someone in, they might care for them, but they would never legally adopt them. And the reason why is because they never wanted their inheritance to go to someone outside the bloodline. And so this whole idea of being adopted as sons into the family of God was just a mind-blowing idea. So we've been adopted to sonship. Next verse. Because you are his sons. God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who calls out, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also, what? An heir. You're an heir. Meaning everything that is his becomes yours. Here's what's crazy in terms of what is his becomes ours. Any of you uh, Olympics nuts? Like you love the Olympics? 
I, I love the Olympics. My kids, I don't think they quite get it like me. I don't think my whole family does. For me, it's like if it's on, it's on the television. I want to see the Olympics. Even curling. I'll even watch that, you know? So anyhow, last night in the Olympics, it's their, uh, I watched the women's slope-style snowboarding competition. It was pretty awesome. Anyone see that last night? A few of you? Okay, a few of you. At the very end, it's the very last run of the whole day, girl from New Zealand goes down this thing, and the way that it works is it's your best score out of three runs. So you can be in last place, but on your very last run, if you get your best score, you can win the gold. That's how it works, okay? Her very last run, she goes down, she scores like a 93-something, she wins the whole thing, wins the gold, okay? It was the last girl, last run, it was unbelievable. She comes down the hill. Now here's what's crazy, as she comes down the hill uh, and, and the score goes up, all the other girls who are the competitors, they are against her, right? They all come rushing out around her. They gather around her and the whole group starts jumping up and down together like this, cheering her on, celebrating her. And the commentator went on to say this. He goes, in what sport does every competitor celebrate the winner as if they too were the winner? Only in snowboarding because they truly are family. And I was watching that, and I'm like, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's this moment where we rally around Jesus, and we all start jumping up and down together, because guess what? His one is our, or his win is our win. His, his victory is our victory. It's like we just, we jump around him, not because we won it, but because he won it, and then he extends it to us, and we're like, oh my word, this is just crazy. Man. We are heirs. Heirs to, to what? All right, let's, let me read you one more verse. One more verse, and I'll end, I'll end this, I promise. Ephesians chapter one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What? He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's something in the heavenly realms that you, that's actually a part of your inheritance that he says is yours. He has already, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. There's something in the heavenly realms that is uniquely accessible to you in every moment of your life. All I know is that heaven lacks nothing for every one of my earthly struggles and every one of my earthly situations. And it's accessible. It's not automatic, but it is accessible. Just like there's always peace that surpasses understanding, but it doesn't mean that you always have it. Right? But it's always there for you. So we have to learn how to access every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that is ours. There's a spiritual blessing from the heavenly realm that's part of your inheritance that is yours, and in faith you need to go get it. You had a miscarriage. There is a spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that is unique to you in, this, in that moment of your life that you need to go get, and you desperately need it for that moment. You, you lost a loved one. There is a, you, put, put that slide back up. Put Ephesians chapter one, verse three. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms. There's something there in our inheritance. There's something in his kingdom. And it's a kingdom you belong to. For it's every, every spiritual blessing. And every spiritual blessing will apply to every situation in your life. You lost a loved one. There's 
something in his kingdom that is unique for you in the moment that as royalty you've got to go get. Do you have an impossible decision to make? There's a, there's a blessing in the heavenly realms for you for that moment, a unique blessing. I have people who come up to me and they're like, Josh, would you, would you pray for us? Would you bless us? Maybe it's my, bless my child, bless, uh, pray for us, we're moving into a home, bless our marriage, whatever those, the, the different situations. Are you aware there's not a single situation that, um, that you face that there is not a unique blessing from the Lord for you in that moment? The Lord wants to release something in your life from his kingdom for you, for that situation. And the more you understand, that's the kingdom I belong to. I'm actually a part of it. And I have access to it. Do you have a child who's far from God? There's a unique spiritual blessing for you, for the, the season of life that you're going through. Do you have a broken relationship with someone? Are you afraid of something? Are you in a financial crisis? There is a unique spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Woo! And there's something unique for you to go grab in this moment. The spiritual inheritance is profound. As royalty, you, gotta need, you need to know your inheritance and know how to go access your inheritance. And you access it in faith. Say, God, I know you got something for me in this moment, and I need it right now in faith. What would happen if the church actually learned to live from a position as royalty? We regard no situation from a worldly perspective and no one from a worldly perspective. We look at every situation we're in, and we recognize there's a, there's a heavenly blessing in the spiritual realms for me in this moment that's accessible to me. And, and by the way, Understanding how to live as royalty, you want to know when it matters? Right now. It matters right now. You want to know why it matters right now? Because it's our responsibility to understand our inheritance, understand the kingdom we belong to, and bring it from there here and apply it here now in our lives. You want to know why it's important that we apply it now? Is because when you get to heaven, you can't make heaven better than heaven. But you can make the broken things of earth better by bringing his kingdom here and now. This is why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in this broken place as it is in heaven. So, so we start to live it out. We start to say, God, there's a, there's a kingdom reality that I'm wanna, I want to access right now and I want to see it played out in my life. I want this to be true of me, that the, in the coming ages, God, you might show the incomparable riches of your grace expressed in your kindness to me, which is found in Christ Jesus and the kingdom I belong to. Start thinking, start living, start behaving like kids from the kingdom that you belong to. All right, let's, 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 let's pray. We gotta pray. Let's do this. Why don't you stand with me? Heavenly Father I pray that you would just bring to mind in each and every one of us a thought pattern or thought process that we have been viewing from a worldly perspective is there a person 
that we have been viewing from a worldly perspective. And yet it says that in order that we would no longer view anyone through a worldly perspective ever again. We, Lord, we repent of our hatred toward another individual, our anger toward another individual, our judgment over another individual, being against another individual that quite frankly you are for. Lord, we repent of viewing this world through the tactics and strategies of this world. And Lord, we just say, Jesus, we need an overhaul of our minds that we would think like your kingdom and we would think like you. That no longer we would regard the things of this world from a worldly perspective, but we would start to look at the things of this world through your lens and through your kingdom realities. That we would start praying for your kingdom realities on earth as it is in heaven. That there is a heavenly solution for every earthly problem that we're facing, for every earthly wound that is coming against us, for every earthly hurdle that seems to be in front of us, God, there is a kingdom solution. There is something within the heavenly realms that is beautiful for us to actually be able to access and experience here and now. And so, Lord, I pray that we would start to wrap our heads around what it means to have access to every kingdom reality or every heavenly blessing in the spiritual realms that it would start to redefine us in how we think. That we wouldn't get worked up over the things of this world as we understand we don't belong to this world, we belong to a different kingdom. And we are royalty. And I'm pretty sure as you're sitting there on your throne, you're not sweating over anything. You're not worried over anything. You're not overwhelmed by anything. And God, help us to wrap our heads around the fact that we're seated there with you. We're seated right there beside you. Lord, I pray that right now you just give us an image of you wrapping your arm. It's like you're putting your arm right around us, sitting on your throne. You're pointing down at our situation in heaven and you start whispering in our ears saying, this is how I see that situation. This is my perspective. I'm not worried. I'm not overwhelmed. I am with you through it. I got this and you're right here beside me. God, help us to get what it means to be seated in the heavenly realms and to be of, of royalty, to think like royalty, to act and behave like royalty. We need that help. We need your help. Jesus, help us in it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Make sure if you need a book of the God Experiment, go grab it. Be blessed. We got prayer partners right down here in the front. They would love to pray for you if you have any prayer needs. You got prayer partners online. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.